afternoon to all our listeners. This is Dr. Charles Benz, and you are listening to Healing Trends with Dr. Benz, our weekly podcast to try to look at what things we can do based on what's emerging in news and science in the world to make you a healthier person. And so we've got a good topic today. It's called Climate Change Will Impact Your Future Health. And I have with me in the studio, John Barson, editor of uh, Total Health Magazine, longtime colleague and friend of mine. And uh, John, I hope you have some good stuff because uh, I do too. And we've got a half an hour to try to get it all in there. Well, I, I find that, uh, good morning, uh, good afternoon, Charles. I find that I, I, I typically am the one to ask the dumb questions because that seems to be my role. <laughs> <laughs> it's not true, but that's okay. <laughs> So I, I may have I may have some questions uh, for you on this. Uh, yeah, climate change has huge impacts on health. So yeah, good topic. Well, you know, um, I don't think I think people look at it as kind of a political issue, where the politicians have to get together and decide what to do. They've been waiting about thirty years to do it, um, but uh, and the result of that is a lot of things are going to be happening that they didn't anticipate, or maybe they did, they knew about it, but just didn't care. But the, the headline that got my attention is, this is why we will be more sick in the future. It's not a greatly worded uh, headline, but it gets to the point that this increase in heat and now we're starting to understand that if you have one degree centigrade, that's a different than two degrees and different than three degrees, that things happen kind of exponentially in terms of the impact on the planet and our health. And so this increase in heat, uh, which seems small, is going to have some really monstrously large impacts on our health in the future. And so I'm going to give you the first crack at it and let you let you uh, give me whatever you found or whatever the few first things are that you found that are going to be impactful that we have to really alert people about. Well, one right off the top is um, where I'm living at the moment is on a river. And uh, last November, there was a once in a 100 or 200 year flood um, due to climate change. Because uh, the weather patterns have changed considerably uh, here in the valley, and uh, there's much more rain. So they have these uh, atmospheric rivers now. Uh, we never heard the term atmospheric river before last November. Uh, this atmospheric river hit. And uh, now I find the impact from that, aside from the destruction that I'm working to help repair, is uh, the well water. So um, I'm now having to filter the water because of all of the sediment in the well water due to climate change. But not everybody has that um, or is even told often by public utilities that there's something wrong with their water, Flint, Michigan, and other cities as an example, right? So I think that we have to start becoming more aware of our personal environment and taking control of that. I know we always talk about taking control of your health, but I think people really have to start thinking about the environment and how it's impacting them. You know, you, you just hit the nail on the head there with the uh, term personal, because you and I have stressed this a lot, that we really can't count on the government and the businesses and even the community leaders to, to do the right thing all the time. And so 
I think we have to take our own responsibility for the things that need to be done. And so here's the clue for people of all the things that are going to impact us. I think the, the heat increases are one of the main things because there apparently is a ceiling that the, uh, the air rises up to a certain level because of this increase in the heat. And, and it raises more dust, more pollution, and it raises more bacteria. And then if it gets into a certain level in the airstream, then it can move more easily. So now we've got increasing bacteria and microorganisms moving longer distances to affect more people. And so these disease agents will increase. And, and, and that's not just the only reason. When you have cold areas in, in the planet or in, anywhere in your uh, geographical area, those cold areas become less cold, they warm up, and then they become increased levels of pollution and microorganisms as well. So we've got generally increasing amounts of these uh, disease uh, uh, molecules, and now we've got uh, cold that used to control a lot of these things. Now it doesn't control it as much and these areas are getting bigger. So now we've got all these microorganisms that are disease uh, related, and that includes like viruses, all right, that can move. And so now the areas of infection for all of these different organisms are going to increase greatly, impacting more and more people. So that's, that's the general thing that I took from this article on we're going to be more sick in the future. Well, especially if you live in urban areas, another, another um aspect of this is the increasing ground level uh, ozone and particulate matter um, in urban areas. Uh, ground level ozone is a key component of smog and it's associated with a ton of health problems like uh, lung function, uh, hospital admissions, asthma, um, early onset uh, dementia, um, Alzheimer's. Um, these are real impacts on us. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the the uh, other article um, that I saw that was really good is that they had these different categories. They had extreme heat, and then they had the uh, the outdoor air quality. They had flooding. They had uh, vector vector borne uh, infections like Lyme disease. Uh, they had water related infection. Uh, because there's going to be more bacteria and more viruses in the water levels. And then the food-related uh, infections as well, salmonella is going to increase, and then mental health and well-being. So all these factors had conditions that would lead to increases in hospitalizations and people becoming sick. And I think this is just amazing because the average person is not thinking about this. They're thinking, well, I get food allergies and I get air allergies as well, but now I get more of them. But they're not thinking about why and what they could do to control it. And so I think that's where the personal responsibility comes in. And if you have these conditions, um, then maybe you do or don't know that you need to take more vitamin A, more vitamin C, more things that will help your respiratory system to, to not react as violently against these air polluting items as, as, as much as, as you have in the past. So I think there'll be people who didn't have asthma and didn't have conditions before. And all of a sudden they're going to find out they do. And they're going to say, what happened? You know, I'm 50 years old. I never had this before. Why? 
Well, because you're now being exposed to more of these infectious agents and you're getting this ozone in the, in the air that's changing the quality of the air. And then bingo, you've got to go and do some internet searches because this is where people have to say, what can I do naturally to increase my respiratory system? Or what can I do naturally to increase whatever system you're being challenged by? We'll come into more of what the other things are that are challengeable too. But this could raise as much as three degrees centigrade in the next couple of years. And if that happens, um, this is a great headline. One third of land species and one fifth or one half of sea species face extension, extension when you get to three degree increase in centigrade. I know it's, it, it, it's crazy, but there's another aspect. We're talking about heat uh, induced conditions, but uh, there's, there's the flip side where I am. There's been so much rain that uh, it's really bad for the, it's, it's not good for the farmers here. And this is the probably the most fertile region in the country. Um, but here's the thing with rain, uh, the impact of rain. And I know this because uh, I actually have um, a humidity gauge in, uh, in my RV. And indoor air quality is really impact, can be really impacted because if you're in damp areas that are more damp, what's one of the things that grows in damp environments like fungi molds um yeah i've already got enough of that in florida now you're in british columbia and so you're noticing it because british columbia is really the the, the sun belt in canada i mean it's a uh, probably got better weather there than anywhere except for maybe the niagara peninsula uh, down in ontario but those are two areas that you know they they grow fruits and vegetables and you know, there's there's more there's many peaches grown in uh, Ontario in the in Niagara Peninsula than there is in Georgia, <laughs> and so it's really weird how these uh, these patterns can really change the way things function. But you're you're right on. I mean, too much too much. I mean, we've been complaining about droughts, but too much water is just as bad as not enough, and that's that's the point you're making. And then when you increase the heat so much, then you end up with red tide. Does anybody remember red tide and, and how, how much of a problem that is? And so in Florida, you've got all this pollution coming out of the Mississippi River and come out of the other rivers in Florida. And as soon as that mixes with the local pollution in any of these communities, then you get these red tide outbreaks. And then people have all kinds of, of, of lung problems that they have to deal with. And so I'm going to predict that there's probably going to be a really big upsurge of red tide around the world as a result of this. And there was another study that showed that uh, when the rivers were examined in North, Amer in North America, 70% of the rivers were now brown or green instead of their usual clear, you know, uh, uh, color of the, of the sky or the, or the land around it. And so now the rivers are becoming so polluted that I don't think they're going to be able to count on getting clean water from almost any of them anymore. And so these are, these are problems where people have to say, wait a minute, what's my risk here? Where do I live? Like you said, do you live in an urban area? Well, maybe if you're starting to have some of these problems. You got to think about relocating to somewhere where it's not so polluted. And so uh, I'm, I'm kind of happy that we're where we are in Florida. Um, 
and uh, I got my sons to get away from Toronto. They're on the west end now, where you know the air flows from west to east, and so all of them got away from the big urban area and are now in those areas that are buffer on to, uh, to the edge of Toronto, but they don't get the pollution that, they're, that they, they would get if they were on the east side of that city. So thank goodness for that. Right, and we were just involved in a little project. I did a, a short bit for the, the local news channel. Uh, we had, uh, where I am on the river last year because of the floods, uh, vehicles ended up in the river, and uh, fisheries, I interviewed the fisheries officer who's looking after our area. And uh, he said, well, it, it, the most important thing to him was keeping the, the, you know, protecting the river because of its steelhead population and salmon population. It's the most important, one of the most important rivers in uh, Western Canada, which is probably one of the most important rivers in Western North America. And uh, because we share those species between Washington State and, um, and Oregon and BC and Alaska, and uh, so they brought in this um, helicopter at about $12,000 an hour um, that's been laying pipeline. And uh, they airlifted all these vehicles uh, directly out of the river just a couple of weeks ago. So it was a pretty spectacular um, event. But I was so happy that, uh, that, that fisheries, uh, the uh, local insurance companies, and the city and everybody contributed to make that project a reality. So I bring that up because I think, you know, when we talk about personal environment, it's not just in our homes, it's in our communities, as you say, and we need to take more responsibility in our communities if we want to affect positive change. And that's just a fact, because as you mentioned earlier, governments are very, very slow, if at all, to react. Well, and, and I think that's too bad because we were always hoping that <laughs> if things got bad at the federal level, and uh, they didn't get any better at the state or provincial level, we would count on our lo localities, our, our municipalities, to sort of pick up the slack and get the job done. And that's been possible uh, in many communities over the past many decades. But uh, I, I don't see any activity in that area that's really reassuring. I mean, I've submitted an article uh, to a Canadian magazine on radiation and it was one of the first articles that they, they didn't even know about this issue of, of radiation, um, 5G and radiation in uh, vehicles, electric vehicles. And I thought, how could you not know about that? This is, this is a really significant factor. And so I did the research, I wrote the article and this national magazine in, in Canada, Municipal World, decided that they would publish it and it's going to be the first time that municipalities across the country will see that they have a considerable amount of control and influence over how much radiation their populations are exposed to. Because the national government and the provincial governments have done virtually nothing. And again, it's because the lobby groups are so significant for this radiation industry. Um, it's one of those things where, well, we thought Big Pharma was, was the only one that controlled the way politicians think and act, but we now know that's not true, that there's a lot of, one, a lot of people that also have money to influence politicians. And the radiation industry, the 5G industry, the electric car industry, they all have, have money to spend on these things. But the long-term health impacts of having too much accumulated radiation exposure to your body 
is, is going to be a disaster for future generations. So I'm just sort of adding that to the, to the climate situation because people need to take personal responsibility. Don't get excited about buying an electric car until you've figured out whether you've been incurring any damage from other radiation sources over the last decades because it accumulates. It's not just a one-off. And so if you have accumulating radiation damage, just like if you have accumulating uh, biochemical damage from toxins, then you need to know that. And there's a test where you can get it. It's called the 8-OHGD test. You can find out how much DNA damage has been done to your body over the last so many years. If it's accumulating and it's getting a dangerous level, then you better take some measures to kind of improve your lifestyle. And I, I'd like to spend as much time as possible, you and I talking about what can people individually do to you know, improve their, their, their health and their exposure to these things. Well, yes, um, that's going to come down to having a better understanding of how these potential environmental toxins are impacting you and uh, in your area. And then, uh, uh, I mean, my, the first thought I have is, you know, it's time that we all understood the importance of detox, step one. Yeah, I mean, you can almost you can you can just almost assume that you have toxic levels that need to be addressed. Um, you know, there are tests that you can get done, like I mentioned, the one eight OHGD, and and there are heavy metal tests, and there there are other tests that can be done. But you know, you're right. Um, if you ask the average doctor, is it necessary? If, uh, if, if, if the patient said, you know, should I do a detox? Oh, no, the body takes care of that, the doctor will say. Well, that's absolutely not true. It's absolutely not true. We now know that the average baby that's born already has five viruses uh, that they're dealing with on average and any number of different chemicals that they've been exposed to uh, in, in, in the womb. And so babies are being born uh, already toxic. And uh, the, the closer you are to toxic environments like cities on big lakes like the Great Lakes, the worse it is. And so I, I think people have to stop being oblivious to this and start paying attention to it. Because one of the things before we get into the solutions, there's now solid proof that uh, the reproductive process in humans has been altered. We used to think it was like uh, frogs, you know, if the frogs or the birds start to have reproductive problems, then maybe we should do something about it. Well, it's already too late for that. We've already got several studies showing that male sperm is down in many areas as much as 50% in terms of its ability to produce a, a, a good offspring. And so, the, the, the other side of that coin is life expectancy from 2019 to 2021 declined by two years in North America. And it's going to decline more. And so we talk about health impact. I mean, a higher percentage of the population is dying sooner. We used to think that people could live 120 years because of how many telomeres they have in their body, you know, how long their telomeres are. Now they're saying the potential is actually 150 years. And so 80, which is the average age, we, we're, we're probably not even to half of what our possibility uh, life, lifetime, life, lifetime is. 
And I know a lot of people are saying, I don't want to live to be 100 or 110 or 120. You know, let me live it up and, and go at 80. I'll be fine with that. Um, that's not the way I feel. I don't think it's the way you feel either. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the issue there. The older is, you get. You know. Well, I think the issue here is, you know, people, uh, a lot of people might have that uh, position, but it's generally because they look around and they see people in their 80s and their health is really debilitated and they're, they're, they're on nine different medications and they have diabetes and they have all these conditions and cancer and dementia and they're thinking, well, when I'm going to have these conditions in my 80s. I don't want to be living to 150. But what we're talking about is living healthy to over 100. So you're healthy. Like I went for a drive last week with... Uh, with Janet, uh, the owner of the house I'm helping, property I'm helping to restore here. And, uh, you know, we drove into town. She's 85 years old. Um, I'd like to be able to drive like that when I'm 105 years old. Well, the Japanese have got a lot of this right because there's 400% more people that live over the age of 100 in Japan than there is in the United States. Now, what are they doing different? You know, they're eating better. They take a lot of supplements. They exercise. Um, you know, there's uh, a whole book's been written on Okinawa. Uh, two, two brothers, two doctors wrote a book on the Okinawa diet. And so we know that it's possible. And we, we know that we could do that here if we had the mindset, if we had the culture to do it. I, I, I wish we didn't have to say, take your individual responsibility. But right now, uh, that's the only way to go. But we still want people to, to write letters to their congressmen, to their senators, and in, this, in, the can, in Canada to their representatives and locally as well. Um, but I think one of the things we haven't mentioned is people have to start really getting serious about uh, eating organic foods. Um, because, Absolutely. You know, there's such a difference in what happens biochemically in your body once you start to uh, increase the levels of or organic foods in your diet. And, and I think that... Um, you know, the second thing is avoid urban areas. I'm glad you mentioned it. Uh, there's just no safe air in any city, uh, hardly any, any. I mean, I used to think that uh, Toronto was a big city. We lived there 25 years ago. And then I went for a, a, a boat ride uh, with a friend of mine in a sailboat out into the uh, Lake Ontario. And when I looked back, there was this brown haze. Now, this was 25 or 30 years ago. There was this brown haze over the whole city. And I thought, oh my God, I didn't know that because you don't see that brown haze when you're in the middle of the city. But when you get out on the lake and you look back, it's right there. And so I would also say avoid the seaside locations because that's where some of the most violent storms are gonna be and you're gonna have sea rise going on. And um, I think it's crazy that people are spending so much money to have something on uh, on the ocean or on the Gulf of Mexico when the chances of that being flooded within the next 10, 10 or 20 years is going to be pretty high. Um, anything else you got on your list of things that we should be telling people to think about and do? It's a long list. <laughs> it's a long list, yeah. I mean, I, mean I, I have on there about the organic foods. I had next to that take supplements, and then people will say, well, you know, which one should I take? Well, you know, it all depends on... Um, how how well you're eating and you know maybe you could get away with a, an omega-3 vitamin and a, and a multiple vitamin and a, and a b vitamin 
But if you look at the literature, there's about 80% of the different vitamins and minerals that people are generally deficient in, like magnesium. And so you have to look at either a study of, of a, a test of your nutritional levels and, 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 and whether you're starting to experience any of these early cellular changes, and then you have to supplement accordingly. But try to get as much of, of your nutrition from food alone as you can. But to me, I think it's almost impossible for the average person to get everything they need from diet alone. I have never seen a study that proved that that could be done. And, and doctors will tell you all the time, well, you don't need these supplements. And, uh, Not, yeah, neither have I. But there, and there's, there's things that you could do that would really help your diet and your health. And, and you know, things like... We've mentioned this before, and because I, I really like the, I think it's is it Greens First you have on your website? Yeah, Greens yeah. First. So, yeah. like, I love that product, Greens First. It's it's got it's and it's, I mean, price wise, I found it's actually the best priced version on the on the market. But it's it's got all the fruits and vegetables that um, that you're probably not consuming that you need. Uh, but then I like to throw in like even when I, when I'm cooking, when I'm making my stews or my soups or whatever, I always add. If I have it handy, um, you know, chia seeds and flax seeds and things like that that you can add to your diet. Your body needs those amino acids and those fats and oils. Um, and like you say, if you're not, you know, if you're not doing stuff like that, then you have to think in terms of supplements, right? And and I don't mean like the supplements at Walmart necessarily. Or um, often I talk to, to I talk to people, Charles, and they're like, "Oh, well, I take a really, you know, I take a really good multivitamin." Like, oh, what do you take? Centrum. I'm like. Hmm. I know the the, the the range in quality uh, starts at the low of, of Centrum and then goes up. You know, several companies have higher quality, and and one day we're going to do a show just on that. Um, you know, Life Extension has a pretty good quality ranking, um, and so they're they're a good company on most products, and. Um, and, and they're not one size fits all, no. right? I mean, you can't just think, oh, I'm taking an inexpensive multivitamin, so, oh, I'm going to be healthier. Um, everybody's different. And supplementation is also age-specific as we age. So where our bodies, you know, produces less and less of things like CoQ10, and we need more and more magnesium and, and things like that as we age. And then it depends, too, on are we really active or, you know, and I'm going to get into that later. I, I have a friend, um, so I know we're going to do a show on uh, cell regeneration. And uh, I have this new friend, and he's in the same age. He's in his mid-60s, but he's a hardcore exerciser. And, uh, I mean, really hardcore. Like, when he decides to, for example, this year, he decides he's going to take up speed skating at, six. I think he's 65. Um, but he's not just going to go out and see if he can skate around on the ice. He's going to start training for the Canadian national team in the fall. <laughs> He's like that wow. kind of crazy. He's going all in. And I'm like, well, what do you do? Like, you know, let's talk a bit about your diet and supplementation. Because he was telling me, yeah, some days he just has, like, he just can't, you know, go out for the run or go out for the thing. And I said, well, you're, you know, your your body's crashing. I said, what could, what do you do for your, you know, like your cardiovascular system, for example? Um, you're taking CoQ10 and magnesium, uh, maybe L-arginine. Uh, maybe deribose if you're going to start a training program. Think about deribose uh, because your heart needs to regenerate the the cells that you're damaging when you're doing these this hard training. And you know, so at night when you're sleeping, 
that's when most of the cell regeneration takes place, right? Right, right. Um, so there's damages, and he's like, oh, I'm not taking anything. Oh, um, he's, he's doomed because... I'm, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, and I said, look, we need to have a lengthy conversation about this because, you know, I learned years ago that uh, when I was training really hard for the, my rides and whatnot, that I was, I discovered, I thought I was healthy and I thought I was doing great, but when I learned that, um, I, was, I was literally told, well, you're the guy that at 65, because this was, I think it was 52 at the time, that's going to drop dead of a heart attack on a morning run, and everybody's going to say, oh, you're so healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. When, in fact, you're you're doing that hidden damage to yourself, and and that's what we're talking about, environmental clim- and climate change damage-induced conditions. We have to educate, educate ourselves about what that really means for us and our families. Well, and, you know, you talked a little bit back in the beginning, and we only got a couple minutes left here, but... Uh, this detox, there's a product called Clear Change from Metagenics. And it's really one of the most well-studied uh, detoxification programs out there. And, you know, the, the amazing thing about it is if you start to eat healthier, uh, this is what I tell people, you'll, you'll, not, you'll lose weight, you'll have more energy, you'll sleep better. And so it's, it's just amazing that, that you can accomplish so many things and I'm going to give some advice to people. Yeah, organic foods, but you know what? And all the studies that have been done have showed that the Mediterranean diet is the best diet for most people. Now, there's things that you can do with other diets, like the keto diet. If you want to lose weight for three or four weeks, that's a good idea. Intermittent fasting is good. You can drop a lot of weight that way uh, over three or four weeks. Uh, but if you combine that with weight-bearing exercise, and this is amazing, all the studies now are coming out and saying, well, we used to think that aerobic exercise was the, was the golden standard. It's actually heavy weight training for just two or three minutes at a time. And that kind of spikes everything in the body to uh, your metabolism to increase its efficiency. And I know people very close to me that have lost 10 or 15 pounds within three or four weeks with that diet, the combination of the keto, the intermittent fasting, and the weight-bearing exercise. So that's the other thing that people have to think about is if you're, if you're going to do things to kind of improve your health by getting away from urban areas and, and eating organic foods, and you're also going to want to make sure that you're doing all the other right things like losing weight because if you have too much weight on your body, you're inflammatory and your body's dealing with inflammation all the time. So we're talking about optimizing. And um, I, I think that's really the, the, the key. And we've talked about some of these things that, that, that people should do. Um, they have to get filters in their, in their houses for water and for air because 90% of their, our time air. is spent inside, right? So- Yeah, and, and another thing, sorry, real quick ahead. here, you talk about exercise, I wanna make another point here. Um, I used to do these very long training sessions when I was doing my long rides. And uh, I found that uh, when I switched to interval training and doing a lot, so instead of going out for these six and eight hour rides on a very frequent basis, um, I started doing interval training. So I could get, um, I, I learned very quickly that, you know, uh, 10 minutes of interval training, I was actually benefiting better from than two hours on my bike. And, uh, 
but again, here's the, my point I'm trying to make is all this ground level ozone, particulate matter, smog, um, you may not think you're breathing it in and you're going out for a two hour ride or a four hour ride and a two, or a long run, 10 mile run, 10K run, um, you're breathing that in. <laughs> you're breathing far more of that in. So if you switch your training regimen up and if you're going to be in that type of an area, again, going back to the personal space, you have to be aware um, you might want to switch to interval training and do 10 minutes of that and some weight bearing and get all of those fantastic benefits as opposed to being a, a toxic filter for your air and water and doing two-hour runs. A, a version of that is, is when I do my biking, I do three minutes of regular speed and then a minute of sprinting. And uh, that just raises everything. That just raises your heart level and your oxygen level and your muscle efficiency and your muscle building capacity. So people need to think about that instead of just going for your you know, stroll around the neighborhood, that you really need to get your heart rate up. Yeah, you have to get your heart rate up, but do when you're doing the intervals, uh, best thing from my research I've found is uh, start off with doing um, 30, like try and work your way up to 30 second intervals. So uh, that's why I like to, I like to kind of speed walk on a hill. Um, I don't run. I've wrecked my hips from all the training from triathlons in my youth with without doing proper stretching. Um, bad, bad on me. Um, so what I do is I like to find inclines and I do these thirty-second intervals. So um, I go out. I warm. Do your warm up, of course. Then I do. Then just go as hard as you can for thirty seconds, and then uh, slow it right down for a minute and a half to two minutes. Get your heart rate back down. Then do that again and try and try and get up to six. <laughs> like seriously, just try and get to six 30 second sessions of pushing yourself. And that's like doing two hours of exercise. If you can get well, up to that's six. That's amazing. You actually took the climate change thing and, and, and brought in the exercise thing very nicely. And it was uh, because I did the same thing. I couldn't afford to do two or three hours of, of biking or running. So I just decided to go faster and do less, <laughs> and, and it got the same results. So that's good. I, well, we, I think we gave people some good ideas. And remember, if, if you can, uh, reach out to your representatives and, and put your ideas in writing. It always helps. And um, I think we just have to take more responsibility. And one of my responsibilities today is to bring our sponsors on board because we got four great sponsors that we have every day helping us to finance the program and uh, allow us to bring this message to people around the world. Um, and I had a, a really good letter from a fellow in, in Florence, Italy. And he said, I, I heard your podcast on healing trends. And he said, uh, you talked about the COVID and he, he said, you had a long hauler protocol. He said, I need help. I've been sick for two years. And so our, our podcast is reaching a lot of people. And I think that's really cool. Uh, so Southern Trust Financial Planning is one of our sponsors. They're a Sarasota financial planning company. Been working with uh, Mark Wolf there for 15 or 20 years. And uh, I really like it that as a financial planner, he also puts a lot of uh, emphasis on wellness. And his theory always has been, and I can help you to make more money, but uh, unless you're healthy, you really can't enjoy it and your family can't enjoy it. And so that's the, the, the theory. And, and if you want to get somebody to work with you in that area, just contact uh, Mark or some one of his representatives at SunTrust Financial Planning. 
and they'll put you on the track to uh, not only learn more about how to increase your portfolio, but also how to increase your, your, your health. Another sponsor is Paddock Pools, and uh, we mentioned their prime product is this vacuum extractor that takes chlorine gas off the surface of the pool, takes it off at the rate of about 95%, and uh, that means you're gonna be breathing very much uh, higher oxygenated air as you go for your swimming. And this is important because these uh, chlorines can actually decrease the amount of zinc in your body and also decrease the amount of vitamin D3 in your body, both of which can contribute to diseases such as cancer. So uh, you don't want to have anything being done negatively to when, you, when you're swimming. So try to make sure you're living, exercising in a pool that uses these vacuum extractors from paddock pools. The third sponsor is MPB Health. MPB Health is a medical cost sharing company. They've been around for several years. And by doing a lot of things intelligently in terms of administrative costs and also health and wellness cost reduction through prevention, they're able to actually reduce what normally would be a premium, a health insurance premium for an insurance company by 30 to 50%. And so for individuals and small groups, these medical cost sharing companies can really make a difference. So. Go online, look up MPB Health, call, and there you have an 800 number. There's some videos there you can look at as well. And you might find this is the solution you've been looking for, for lower cost and more effective health insurance. And then our fourth sponsor is DHA Labs. And DHA Labs is a company I've been working with for several years to have tests that allow people to see the cellular changes in their body before they become illnesses and diseases. And so this is really important. They're very progressive that way. A lot of health and, and urine and, and genetic testing companies don't do the kind of tests that they have. And so they're leaders in this area. And that's why, that's why I'm, they're the only company that I will work with when I develop a new test. So those are our sponsors and we really thank them for what they do. We thank John Barson again for what he does every week when he comes and visits with us. And once again, uh, he asked a lot of great questions and provided a lot of good information, and we appreciate John very much. And uh, thank you to all of our listeners around the world, including Florence, Italy, because uh, we know you're out there, and we're glad you're listening. Bye for now. <laughs>